Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are for another great Wednesday night, United. We are uh, going to get into some good things from the Word of God. Uh, Things that we have been uh, looking at uh, on uh, some Sundays, uh, Wednesdays, we've been really focusing on this. We want to continue with what we've been looking at, the head and his body, the head and his body, Matthew chapter 16. And uh, the Lord's really helping us with this because this, this is something that's so important. Um, we'll look here in Matthew chapter 16. We'll read two verses, verse 16 uh, through 18. And uh, it says that Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus explains to Peter, he says uh, that upon this rock of the revealed knowledge of who I am, the revealed knowledge of me being the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, upon this rock of revealed knowledge, I will build my church. And then he made the statement, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And uh, I was studying that some time ago, looking at that again. And the Lord asked me, he said, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? And uh, so that set me looking as to why the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And uh, because you, uh, you hear all kinds of uh, statements nowadays, the church is weak, the church is backslidden, uh, the church is asleep, the church is cold, the, ch- cold, the church is lukewarm. Uh, that's why you hear people all around the nation, all around the world, saying the church needs a revival. Uh, well, the, the issue is, is that might be true in the lukewarm church, that might be true in some of the apostate churches, but that is not true of the church, not true of the ecclesia, all right, the called out ones, the set apart ones, that's not true of the church. Jesus said that the church, the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, and the word prevail It means to overpower or to be strong to another's detriment, all right, or to be strong against. And so the gates of hell will never overpower. They'll never be strong to the detriment of the church, all right? This this is what Jesus said. This is what the Scripture declares. Now, we can, a lot of people will say, that's right, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Why is it that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? 
And that's where a lot of people stop. Well, Ephesians 1, and we've done a lot of study along these lines already. Uh, you can go back and get the, uh, the podcast or order a CD or look at it on YouTube, however you want to do it. But I would suggest if you've not been uh, following along with us that you do so, uh, because if you don't, you'll miss half your life. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21, it says concerning, uh, well, let's start in verse 20 so we get the, the, all the context. It's talking about the mighty power of God, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. The Amplified Bible says he's appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body, in that body, the church, lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. So the first reason we've been talking about uh, that hell will never prevail against the church is that Christ is the head of the church and we are his body. All right, that's the, hence the title for the, the series, The Head and His Body. The same power in the head is in the body. And the scripture says that that, that, that power is the fullness of Christ. In that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete. In the body, the church is the full measure of Christ. In the body... In the church is the full measure of Christ. We're vitally connected to Christ, and the life that's in him is the life that is in us. And the position of Christ as the head is the position of the church as the body. All right? My, my head does not have a different position than my body. All right? In the body, it has the headship position. But wherever my body is, my head is. Wherever my head is, my body is. All right? Amen. In, uh, you're right there in Ephesians 1. And uh, we want to go over those verses that we just looked at. Notice it says that he raised him from the dead and sat him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And then he makes this statement, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So notice that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Scripture says far above all, and then it lists these four classes of beings. And it uses the first one, it says principalities, all right? Far above all principality. The, the word principality is, means uh, beginning. It means origin or rule, meaning any being that was given any rule even from the beginning, all right? Far above all principality, every ruling being, Christ has been given a position far above them. 
And then he says, far above principalities, far above power. Well, the word power is just the word authority. But that's very important. Because notice the phrase that it uses, far above all principality. And then it says, uses the word and, and we could say all power, and all power, all principality, and all power. Amen. All authority. Now, people will say, well, you know, Pastor, we know that. Then why are you talking about the devil so much? Why do you talk about how the devil's fighting so much? Why are you talking about what the devil's doing in the world so much? You understand? If I understand this, then the we, we taught last week on how Jesus spoke very little or none about the power of the devil. He talked about what the devil was predisposed to do, to steal, kill, and destroy, to murder, to lie, but he never talked about the devil's authority. Why? Because the devil has no authority over the body of Christ. The devil has no authority over the church. The devil has no authority of his own, period. The authority he has, he had to steal it. And he cannot operate in any authority in the believer's life unless he first deceives the believer. And then he can exercise authority over them. Jesus, according to Scripture, has been seated far above all principality, all power. Then it says all might. Well, that word means ability or power or strength. And notice it says all power. Then it uses the phrase, the word dominion, all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. The word dominion is lordship or government. Lordship or government. So what we're learning is that it simply means that whatever principality, whatever power, whatever might, whatever dominion, that may exist, whatever names they're called by, the dominion of Christ is above them all. What it, what, how, however it's called, whatever it is called, the dominion of Christ is above that. Verse 22, it says, And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, the word put, the verb put, he has put all things under his feet. It was originally used as a military term. And it meant to place or rank under. To place or rank under. It came to mean to subject or to put into subjection. So you understand, when, when you read that, he has put all things under his feet. He has put all things under him. They, they're in a place under him. They rank under him. They are subject to, they are in subjection to Christ. And here's the, the wonderful thing. The verb put is in the aorist tense, A-O-R-I-S-T, Aorist tense. In the Greek, that's the past tense. All right? 
what that means, what that indicates, is that this is now done. Now, now understand this. Once you come to understand this and you see this in the Word, then it becomes my responsibility to act in line with what I see in the Word. Because according to the Scripture, this is already completed. All right? Indicating it's done. Everything is already in subjection to Christ. All power, all principality, all might, all dominion are already in subjection to Christ. I was reading after one man one time, and he said this might well be a prophetic aorist, meaning that uh, in the mind of God it's already completed, but one day it will be done in reality. Well, that's how people view their healing. That's how people view their prosperity. I mean, they, they read the Scripture by his stripes, you are healed. That's something that's done. But then they put it off and say, if it's God's will. This is something that's already completed. He is already far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And all things have already been put under his feet. They've already been put in, under his subjection. They have already been made su submissive to him. So when somebody says that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the devil's overrunning the church, or that the church is this, the church is that, the church is powerless, the church is asleep, whatever the case may be, it's impossible for that to be true because the church is the body of Christ of whom Christ is the head. And Christ is not weak. Christ is not powerless. Christ is not asleep. Christ is not backslidden. So the church can't be. In Philippians chapter 2, and uh, verse 9, it says, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Every knee in heaven, every knee in earth, and every knee under the earth should bow at that name. So the Father not only gave Jesus a name above every name, but at the name of Jesus, every being in three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell, must bow. And when you, you study these words, when it's talking about heaven, it's, it's obviously it's talking about the celestial heaven. When it's talking about earth, it's talking about this earth that we live on. And when it's speaking of hell, it's, it's speaking to under the earth, the place of the dead, Gehenna, Hades. Now, wh why is that important? Because that is actively present right now. See, people read that and they say, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess of, of uh, you know, things in heaven, th uh, uh, things in earth, things under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. And people will say one day, every, every knee will bow. 
the reference, the complete reference, the, the perfect reference is referencing the work that Christ did on the cross and the defeated principalities and powers and dominion and rulers of the darkness of this world. You, you've got, what you've got to understand is that they have already been defeated. And that name already wields power over them. That, na- that name wields authority in three realms, heaven, earth, and hell. Hallelujah. Today, presently. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, And verse 6, he begins to talk to us about our position in Christ. It says, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Amplified Bible says, and he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. So our position as believers is one of joint seating with Christ in heavenly places. Joint seating. Now that's important. Because that may not always be our circumstance, but that is our position. That may not always be our circumstance, but it is our position. My position is that I have joint seating with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's the position of the church. If you want to rise above your circumstances, you have to learn to take advantage of your position in Christ. In order to rise above the circumstances, I've got to take advantage of my position in Christ. And when you when a when a when a believer does not take advantage of their position in Christ, they relegate themselves to an inferior seating. They relegate themselves to an inferior position. I, it, 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 it doesn't matter what the, the circumstance or the situation may be. In, in the church, you hear a lot of talk about the devil. You hear a lot of talk about the devil's fighting. You hear a lot of talk about the devil's this and the devil's that. And, 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 and understand me, I understand that we have an adversary. I understand that we have an enemy. But here's what I also understand. He is a defeated enemy. He is an enemy that has no power over the believer whatsoever. No authority over the believer whatsoever. Amen. I could reference scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that tells you and I that we have nothing to fear from the devil because he's already defeated. If if, if you start in in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that when we raise up the shield of faith... It quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 tells us that the enemy has been stripped of his authority, stripped of his power, stripped of his ability to make any inroads in the life of the believer 
based on his authority. It says that Jesus partook of flesh and blood so that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil, destroy. It means to paralyze, to disarm, to strip, to take away the armor from. Jesus said in the book of Luke, he said that when, and when he was talking to the religious leaders about casting out devils, and he said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, who do you cast them out by? And he said, when a man, a strong man is armed, he keeps his palace and his goods, but then referencing himself, he said, when a stronger than he comes, he takes away his armor that he trusted in and divides among the people the spoils. The Bible tells us that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave in mortal combat in hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and stripped the strong man Satan of his armor and of his weapons and then distributed the authority over the devil to the church of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We have joint seating with Christ far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Amen. And 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 even though the circumstance may not speak to that, that may not always be my circumstance. I may be facing things. I may be dealing with things. That is my position. That's my position right now. And if I want to rise above the circumstance, I have to take advantage of my position in Christ. Now, then the question is, does that sound like a defeated, weak, backslidden position? No. No, it doesn't. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church because we're sharers and partakers in Christ's victory over Satan. You know, and, and, and I'll say this, and, and that's where you've got to be careful because There's that cunning side of the enemy. Cunning, deceptive, sneaky. He'll work through your emotions to weaken you. He'll work through your emotions to get at your authority. When you get offended at somebody, you've just given up your authority. When, when, amen. When you feel sorry for yourself, when, when, when you walk around uh, uh, thinking nobody likes me, everybody hates me, you've just given up your authority. Because that's, that's not your position in Christ. And the enemy in his cunning will work through that to, to get you to give up your authority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 6, it says, Howbeit we speak, among, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, 
Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, I like Moffat's translation. It says, we do discuss wisdom with those who are mature, only it is not the wisdom of this world, now notice this, or of the dethroned powers of this world. It's the mysterious wisdom of God that we discuss, that hidden wisdom which God decreed from all eternity for our glory. Notice, the dethroned powers who rule this world. The dethroned powers that rule this world. Now notice, what does the believer have to do? There always has to be a difference made between them and the world. When the Bible references the dethroned powers who rule this world, he's speaking more of the people that are not born again than he is the physical place. The Bible talks about the children of this world. Jesus talked about the children of this world and the children of the kingdom. Well, why do you think the Bible makes statements like you are in the world, but you're not of the world? We'll probably uh, talk about this scripture in, in a few moments, but why do you think the Bible tells you that you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Because notice, he says, the dethroned powers who rule this world. Now think about that. How can they be dethroned and yet ruling? They're dethroned, but yet they're ruling. They're not ruling us. They're ruling the world. They have been dethroned by Christ where the church is concerned. They are not our lords. They are not our masters. They are not our, uh, uh, they have no dominion over the church. They're dethroned where the church is concerned. It's, listen, it's much like when, when you talk about, uh, people will talk and, and, the, and, the, and they'll talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they'll say, well, under the Old Covenant, well, they need to make, they need to make a, a difference there because they're actually talking about the law and they call it the Old Covenant. You've got to make a distinction between the law and the Old Covenant because we have been brought into the old, what they call the Old Covenant and given all the great parts of it and more by virtue of being in Christ. That covenant that God made with Abraham is our basis of our relationship with God and the basis of us being brought into the kingdom of God. Because had God not found a man that he could come into covenant with and say, through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed, I would have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. I would have never brought it, been brought into the kingdom. When you see that Satan is the God of this world, that's what he is, the God, the overlord, the ruler of people who are not born again, but not me, by virtue of being in Christ. He's been dethroned in my life. 
He's been dethroned in your life. He's been dethroned in the life of the church to the extent that the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's vitally important. It's vitally important. The wisdom, it says we discuss wisdom with those that are mature. The wisdom is the knowledge that Satan has been defeated. And that we as the church are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ with total authority over the enemy. I made the decision some time ago to discuss the devil very little. Why? He has no authority over me. None. You'll run into people and they'll say, well, you know, uh, I'm believing God, but the devil keeps fighting my mind. He has no authority over you. Zero authority over you. Zero. Why, why is that important? Because the more you talk about how he's fighting, the more credit you give him. You're crediting him, you're crediting him with the ability to stop you. And I've had people say that, well, I know, Pastor, but the devil does fight. He's dethroned, de-armed, has no armor to trust in. Hallelujah. Must flee when you resist him. Is that what the Bible says? It says resist the devil and what will he do? Keep fighting. Resist the devil and he'll stand firm. Resist the devil and he'll act like pay no attention to you. Is that what it says? No. It says you resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is that right? Why? He has been dethroned. All power in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. He gave us all power. And the Bible says all that power extended to all the works of the enemy. Amen. We're to stand in our position of authority against an enemy who's already been defeated and dethroned. Hallelujah. That is so important. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, now you go to these scriptures and especially in Word of Faith circles, you know, we've heard them, and, and so, you know, we know them. But I found over all these years I've been pastoring that knowing does not mean operating. Just because I know something does not mean I'm operating it. And I'm not saying you're not. But what I'm saying is there's a reason that the Lord was asking us the question, why will the gates of hell not prevail against the church? Because we are the body 
and Christ is our head. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the King James says, Thanks be unto God that always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. I like the Coney Bear translation because it says, But thanks be to God who leads me from one place to place in the train of his triumph to celebrate his victories over the enemies of Christ. He leads me from place to place in the train of his triumph. In other words, I'm in the triumphal procession. I'm right there. When, when, when the triumphal procession was led, is led, I'm right there. Notice, to celebrate his victories over the enemies of Christ. When believers as the church act on the word, when they act on the word, Satan cannot, he does not, and he will not be able to defeat us. Because we've been delivered from the authority of darkness. He will not be able to defeat us because the lordship of Jesus is declared over us in his word. That, remember, that's why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the headship of Christ was exercised throughout the whole body, throughout the whole church. Every born-again believer, their Lord is Jesus. And many times when we think Jesus' lordship, we think being saved from sin. It denotes something. If Jesus had to become your Lord, you used to have another Lord. And Jesus became your Lord. You made him your Lord. You received him as your Lord. What does that mean? You used to have another Lord. Who is your Lord? Satan. Who is your Lord? Sin. And when you became born again, when you became a child of the living God, when you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you were born again, immediately you were made a new creature, immediately you were born again, immediately you were forgiven of all your sins, but also immediately you received a new Lord, a new master, a new king, and his name is Christ. His name is Jesus, and His authority and His dominion is exercised throughout the church. We are not just a local gathering place in our various locations. We are the body of Christ in the earth with authority and dominion over all power, all principality, all might, and all dominion in this world and in the world to come. Glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? And what the church very often does, some, what, what many in the church do, is they relegate this victory to another time, to another place. 
Amen. And, 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 and it, it, it comes out in messages and it comes out in songs. Won't it be wonderful there? Amen. There'll be no crying in heaven. Hallelujah. When we get to heaven, Satan will be bound. When we get to heaven, there'll be no devil. Well, that's going to be wonderful, but here's the thing. We operate in complete and 100% complete and total authority over Him in this earth. Let me say this to you. The only way I know to say it. You're not going to have more authority over the devil when you get to heaven. What makes you think you're going to have more authority in heaven? You're not going to get to heaven and God say, okay, now I'm going to give you the rest of your authority. I won't need authority over the devil in heaven. He's not going. But think about that. What, why do you think that what you have been given, that you'll have more in heaven? Why do people think that? Because, well, number one, because of wrong teaching. Now we'll reiterate, we have an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But then what's it say? What's the next part of that verse? What's the next part? What's the following verse? Whom resist, set fast in the faith. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, we have an adversary that we can resist. We have an adversary that when we resist him, according to James, he flees from us. How do we resist him? In the name of Jesus. What is the name of Jesus? The badge of authority that is pinned on the chest of every member of the body of Christ. And when we speak the name of Jesus, it is a revelation that we are members of His body. We are members of His life. And when we use the name of Jesus as the body of Christ in the church, the devil has to leave. Has to. Has to go. Why? We've been given the authority to use that name. Now these, these messages can seem like more teaching on authority, and I guess to a large extent they are. But more than anything, it's you recognizing who you are, what you are, what you have as members of the body of Christ. Now think about this for a moment. Why didn't the Bible call us the body of Jesus? Can you answer me that? Think about that. Why didn't it call us the body of Jesus? Now think about this. Jesus was the Son of God, obviously. The divine Son of God. The perfect, sinless Son of God. But when you boil this down to its essence... What and who was Jesus? Jesus was a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. A man anointed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And the Bible calls him Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Christ. Christ is not a name. 
It's a position. You follow me? Why are we called the body of Christ? Because we are the body of the anointed one. The anointed one. What was he anointed to do? In, I, I read it uh, last Wednesday in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I am the anointed one. And he went through all the things that he was anointed to do. To preach deliverance to the captives. To set at liberty them that are bound. To open the blinded eyes. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord. What was the acceptable year of the Lord? The year when captives go free. The, years when, the year when debt is, is, is eliminated. When slaves are set free. And their power is given back to them. When we became members of the body of Christ, we became partakers of the same anointing that was on Christ. And what does that anointing do? Removes burdens and destroys yokes. Who is the oppressor? The devil is the oppressor. Satan is the oppressor. And what are we anointed to do? To bring to nothing all the works of the devil. Just like the head of our body was anointed to bring to nothing all the works of the devil. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, the body cannot have a different function than the head. There's not a different blood flow in my head than in my body. Now here's where religion has a problem. So if, if, if the head, Christ, is anointed, the body of Christ is anointed. Amen. It isn't the, the word of, doesn't it tell us that? Preposition of. What something is derived from, its source, the body of Christ. I've been asking a lot of these questions in this series. How else do you think Jesus could look at his people and say, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father? What did he start that off with? The works that I do, you shall do also. Hallelujah. Is that what he said? That's what he said, right? Well, how can I do the same works? Because I'm the body of the head. I, I lost some of you there. I'm the body of the head. If the head could do it, I can do it. Now, what does religion tell you? Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Brother, now brother, don't be saying that. I mean, that was Jesus. Yes, it was. It was Jesus. But did Jesus say, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Remember last Wednesday night, we talked about why he would say that because what was he going to send back? You remember what I said? You remember what he was going to send back? Power. Right? What power? The same power that was on the inside of him while he walked this earth. You do realize. Am I helping you all with this? You do realize 
the disciples that accompanied Jesus, they didn't have that power on the inside of them. The three and a half years of Jesus' earthly ministry. What does that mean? They did not have the power to work miracles. They did not have the power to cast out devils. Jesus did, but they didn't. That's why Jesus had to what? Delegate his authority to them. Isn't that what he said? It says that he, he brought the 12 at first. And it said he gave them power over unclean spirits and to cast out devils. Then it says later on, a couple chapters later, it says he ordained other 70 and sent them before his face wherever he would go and told them whatever city you go into, heal all the sick that are there. Cast out devils. Is that right? But what was their authority? It was a delegated authority. It was a, an authority that was given to them for use until the power of the Holy Ghost descended on the earth and would come to dwell on the inside of them. The same power that raised Christ from the dead came into that group of men and women on the day of Pentecost and they were never the same afterwards. And what accompanied the church after the day of Pentecost? Signs, wonders, miracles, Devils being cast out. By who? By men and women that were part of the body of Christ. Glory to God. I've done it. I've preached myself happy. Amen. Glory to God. We, 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 the, many people talk much about the power of God. And we need to make much of the power God has given the church. We need to make much of the power that God has given the church. Oh, hallelujah. So I said all that to say the dominion of Christ over us is real. And we only submit to him as Lord. We don't submit to any other Lord. When, when people talk about the devil and they talk about what the devil can do and they talk about the power of the devil and they talk about the power of Satan and they talk about the power of darkness. Hallelujah. What they're saying in a roundabout way is he can exercise lordship over the church. He cannot. He cannot. I'm not talking flippantly about the enemy. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm trying to explain to you is he cannot. He cannot exercise dominion over the church. Why? Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's what Jesus said. And so every time you hear a, a religious pundit, every time you hear somebody that, 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 that makes the statement how the church doesn't know what's wrong with the church and the church is falling apart, that's a person that does not realize in actuality that they are part of the body of Christ, that Christ is the head, the same authority, the same power that flows from the head flows through the body, the same ability to overcome the enemy flows through the body. Listen, 
Jesus did the heavy lifting. Jesus did the hard part. Jesus did all the work. He went to hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave and arose victorious with those keys in His hand and then gave us authority over an already defeated enemy. Why, why do you think you've got to defeat the devil? Why do people think that? Why, why, why do we think there's a war going on? I thought if the enemy had been defeated, I thought that ended a war. Is that right? Ask your neighbor, say, why do we think we're in a war? We're the occupying force. Amen. Does the enemy challenge us? Yes. Will the enemy overrun us if allowed? Yes. But what's the key phrase? If allowed. If allowed. If you won't be moved, you can't be moved. If you won't move, you can't be moved. You got to choose to be moved. You got to choose to let the devil move you. Amen. Now, let's look at Colossians 1. I think we'll get close to being done here with this, or at least unhooking. Hit and pause, as my wife says. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, Who delivered us who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Young's literal translation brings this out. Who did rescue us out of the authority of the darkness and trans did translate us into the rain of the son of his love. Now hell cannot forget, prevail against the church. Because we've been delivered from the authority of darkness. We've been delivered from the authority of darkness. Now think about that. Darkness has no authority over us. And, and when, when, when you hear a statement like that. Then you ask the question, why? And then the answer is this. The answer is another question. Does darkness have any authority over Christ? No. Well, if it has no authority over the head, can it exercise authority over the body? No. No. Not in reality and not in the large scope. Individual believers in the body of Christ can yield themselves to the power of darkness. Can I tell you why people sin? Because they yield to it. Now that sounds too simple. But isn't that right? What, what does the book of Romans say? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you're not under law but under grace. Is that what it says? Well, I mean, all sin ultimately comes from the devil. 
So you know what we can say without hurting that scripture? Satan shall not have dominion over you. As an individual believer in the body, I can yield myself to darkness and have darkness rule and reign over me. But it's not because I don't have authority to resist it. Let me say it this way. When you exercise your authority, you will not yield to the enemy. I'll say it even stronger. When you exercise your authority, you will never lose to the enemy. When you exercise your authority, you will never be run over by the enemy. Amen. Because it has no dominion over me. No dominion. None whatsoever. Hallelujah. Now, I say this cautiously because, because uh, you know, sometimes people say, they'll say, well, I want you to pray with me. Well, well, what about? Well, the devil's fighting my head. Isn't it interesting that we're not told anywhere in the Bible to pray about the devil? We're to take authority over the devil. I mean, what are you going to pray about? The Bible says that when you pray, you have to ask the Father in Jesus' name. Is that right? You have to ask the Father in Jesus' name. Well, the Father and Jesus have done everything that needs to be done where the devil is concerned. You cannot pray and ask the Father and ask Jesus to do something about the devil. When, when Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, messenger of Satan to buffet me, he said, for this thing I besought the Lord three times that he might take it from me. And what did God say? Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power and my ability that you can use is sufficient to take care of this. Now think about this for a moment. Why didn't God just come down and remove that thorn out of Paul's life, that messenger of Satan to buffet him? Why didn't Jesus just show up and say, Paul is an apostle. Paul is an anointed man of God. Now you've got to go, devil. I have authority over you. What did God essentially tell Paul to do? Exercise your authority over this. Hallelujah. Yeah, but Pastor Paul was the great apostle. He wrote over half of the New Testament. Right, and he had to learn to exercise his authority. Just like all of us do. Why will the gates of hell never overcome the church? The authority of darkness was broken over us. And hear me, it was broken legally. We are legally seated with Christ. Our authority over the enemy is a legal authority on every level. The devil's authority is a stolen authority. Stolen. He deceived Adam 
into giving it to him. Ours is an authority that was bought and paid for and legally transferred to us. That's one of the reasons that we are called the body of Christ. The Bible says we have been grafted in. The, 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 the Word of God says that we have become part of Him, that we are members of His body. And that word member means a limb, a part, a part of the body. That's you and I. Oh, hallelujah. And I'll, 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 I'll end with this. The Scripture tells us that whoever in our bodies natural bodies, that whoever we yield our members to, that we're servants of that person. Well, the same is true for the body of Christ at large. That if a particular member of the body of Christ yields themselves to the enemy, then the enemy can do what he wants. But if you won't yield, nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do. Amen. I have people come and they'll say, Pastor, please pray. The, the devil's trying to take my children. Operative word, trying. Not getting it done. Oh, hallelujah. I was, now listen, I'm, I'm, I, I, maybe I should preface this with I'm not, I'm not boasting about this. I made this statement one time. I was on a camp out with some guys. And uh, I'm an early riser. Just I get up early. That's just me. And I, I got up about, I don't know, 5 o'clock. I actually slept in. I usually get up about 4. And I knew everybody else was asleep, so I actually slept in. And I got up, and we were, we were actually camping and uh, uh, rafting the White River down here around Pineville, Arkansas, down around Jane, Missouri, right in that area. And I got up early, and, uh, and I was going to, well, I did start a fire, and I had to chop wood because there, there, there wasn't any, any kindling. And so I had to chop wood, and, and uh, finally everybody else started rolling out of bed about, I don't know, 6, 6.30, something like that. I'd been up a couple hours. And uh, one of the guys, he didn't go to our church regularly, uh, he... Uh, he uh, got up, and he was kind of in a bad mood, and he said, uh, I don't know who that was out here making all that racket, but I was about to get up and whoop him. And I looked at him, I said, that was me, and you could have tried. I'm not proud of that. I'm not bragging on that. I'm just saying. That's how you got to look at it with the enemy. He's trying, but he's not going to get it done. I said, he's trying, but he's not going to get it done. And so when people say, the enemy's trying to take my child, operative word, trying, he's not going to get it done. Why? Because the body of Christ has a promise that us and our children will be saved. Is that right? So he might be trying, but he's not going to get it done. Why? He has no authority to do it. And we're going to train them up from little bitty that they have authority over the devil. And they don't have to yield to him on one single score. Not one. Not one. And neither do you. Amen. Say it out loud. In the name of Jesus, I'm a member of the body of Christ. The same anointing. The same power. 
the same authority that flows through the head flows through the body. And I declare that I am a member of the overcoming, victorious, triumphant church. And I have all authority over all the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah.